and welcome to Outside is Overrated. We are going to kick off 2020 with a bang by talking about one of the biggest movies of the year. I guess technically it didn't come out this year, but it came out at the end of December, too late to record and talk about it. So today we are going to tackle the Skywalker saga of Star Wars. We are going from episodes 1 through 9. This is going to be a very long episode. Buckle up. Before we begin, we would like to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. Joining me on this epic journey in a galaxy far, far away is my constant companion, my amazing wife, Phoenix. Welcome back, babe. What have you been up to since the last time we recorded? Besides watching a shitload of Star Wars. <laughs> oh, man, so much Star Wars. So much Star Wars. We've watched everything. <laughs> when, what was the last episode we did together? Uh, it was They all kind of blend together for me. It's like it's you, and then it's Joey, and then it's Joey, and then it's you, and it's like, oh, my God, I have two wives. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> one wife to rule them all. Yes. It was Spider-Man. That was the last That's one. That's right. So that was summertime last year. Yes, it was. Besides watching Star Wars, we've been um, busy raising Daisy. Then we had the holidays, deer hunting, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah, the end of the year is a freaking crazy busy time for us. I am so proud that I was able to knock out all 12 episodes last year and do 12 columns. I set these goals for myself. And I did it. You did. And kudos to you, love. Kudos to us, love. <laughs> yes. But beyond that, um, I guess just watching Star Wars um, is the only geeky thing I can think of that I've been doing. But um, been reading, I guess, and then uh, doing... I know you've been reading a lot on your phone. Anyone <laughs> interesting that you're following in the fan fiction <laughs> world right now? Uh, not too interesting. You don't want to <laughs> tell our passionate audience who you're reading fan fiction about, my love? Uh, I was reading um, Sherlock and Molly. I was reading Mal and River, which people are probably going to be like, why the hell is she reading about those two characters? And then um, John and Sansa still kind of kicked in still with that. So, but. the Going back to the Mal thing for a second, I'm not surprised that it's River, not, what's what's her name, Iona? Uh, Anara. Anara, yeah. I'm surprised that you're not reading about Mal and Kaylee because we, we both like Kaylee quite a bit. I love Kaylee, but I guess I enjoy having her with Simon. So, and uh, so once I, I like I, a character, a couple together, it's kind of hard for me to break them apart to read others, you know, so. Sure. Also, I hate Simon. I thought he was the weak link of that show. Oh, really? Yeah, the douchey brother. <laughs> he was barely all right. He was better than Hayden Christensen, but we will get into that later. I know, but Nara, I think, is, you know, a little bit below Simon, but... Yeah, okay, you make a good point. Uh, for me, I've also been watching a crap load of Star Wars to get ready for this show. I started playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which you gave me in the beginning of December for our dating anniversary. And such I was a good wife. Such a good wife. I hit the jackpot, everyone. But I didn't start playing it right away because I was doing the stupid Final Fantasy Challenge last year, and I was trying so hard to get my teeth sunk into Final Fantasy 15 in a month with two Christmases and a whole bunch of other stuff that I didn't start playing Jedi Fallen Order until this month, this year. And it's pretty good. I like it. Also, my amazing wife gave me Baldur's Gate on the Switch for Christmas, and I have been playing a ton of that. Another pat on the back. Yeah, I... 
I did so well. And you tried to tease me and say that you didn't get me any video <laughs> games for Christmas. And there were two switch size packages under the tree. And I held off on touching them until like the day before Christmas. Because I know that once I touch it, I know what a switch case feels like. I know you do. That's why I kept trying to say it's one of those little book things that are for kids. And if you have seen them in the store, they're exactly the same size. But you didn't know what I was talking about. No, so. I had no idea. I still don't. But I know. <laughs> I knew that Baldur's Gate was coming. I was super duper excited. The best wife ever, love. Oh, you're, thank you. If you're interested in following the show on social media, there are a number of ways you can reach us. The email address is still the same, overratedpod at gmail.com. But I have exciting new handles on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find me in either place at TomSidlogic OIO on both Instagram and Twitter. That's TomSidlogic OIO. If you were following me previously, the handle should have automatically changed so you don't have to do anything new to follow me. But just a new, more branded social media handle gone are the underscores that used to cause me so much consternation yes they are yeah it's a brave new day also you can follow the show on facebook at facebook.com slash outside is overrated and something we just launched tonight if you're interested in financially backing the show we now have a patreon page i wanted to spend just a minute talking about this like i'm it's important to me that oio is free i love we love talking about our passions, our hobbies, our interests, and I love having a platform and a microphone and being able to do my thing and have my own show. It's great. Uh, that being said, there is some cost with equipment. There's some cost with web hosting. There's cost with going to movies. There's cost with buying games. So if you would like to help defray those costs a little bit, we have an avenue in Patreon. You can find it at www.patreon.com OIO. There are different tiers for giving if you feel compelled and willing to kick a couple bucks to the show, I am certainly grateful and I will no doubt brag amongst my friends who my best friend in the group is based on their financial contributions, but I don't want this to be a thing where I'm constantly shilling for money outside of my dear friends at Premier Health. Follow their website at premierhealthmn.com. <laughs> Good plug. Thank you. It's not something we uh, decided to do lightly either. Like We'd been kicking it around for months, and uh, we thought, well, you know, we'll see if this is a possible revenue source to help support stuff for OIO. Yes, it was a joint decision, and it'll be exciting to see what happens. Yeah, if people want to see a whole bunch more content, well, there's goals for getting there. At 25 bucks a month, I'll do a feature on an Xbox Game Pass game every month. At some point, we'll start doing videos. At some point, we'll start doing VR content. So, you know, if you want me to do all that stuff, you know, bust out the checkbooks and let's be bestest friends. When we decided to do a Star Wars show, I don't know what inspired us, inspired me to push us to do the entire Skywalker saga. This is nine movies, and we watched two more movies on top of that, plus the Clone Wars. Yes, that is correct. Yes, it is. Yep. We're going to talk about the movies as sets of trilogies. We're going to talk a little bit about the story, but, you know, if you care, you watch these movies already. We're going to start at the chronological beginning of the saga with episode one. Now, Phoenix, how many times had you seen these movies, and what were your memories and impressions going back to the original trilogy? Prequels, I've only seen once in the theater. Um, I saw the third one, Revenge of the Sith, a second time. That was the most recent I had seen, the third Revenge of the Sith. The, my impressions were that not the favorable. Couldn't remember much of them. I just remember a lot of people teasing theater, yelling at the screen opening night at the second movie about 
Anakin is um, pleasuring himself during the uh, dream sequence. They're yelling, say, ooh, what are you dreaming about, Anakin? You know, it's just, it was, it was a pretty fun crowd. So that was fun. But yeah, not in I didn't view the films very... Um, Favorably. Favorably. Thank you. Yeah, I am in largely the same boat. I had seen each film once, each one in the theater. I remember hating Kid Anakin and Jar Jar Binks, being indifferent to the second movie, and thinking the third one was not terrible. To prepare for this show, we rewatched all the films as consensual adults. Uh, we're going to talk about a timeline that the movies take place on. Those dates are from an article on Tech Radar. So if our years are wrong, you know, sue us. I grabbed it off the internet. <laughs> Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, set 32 years before A New Hope. Some quick story beats. Jedi Knights Qui-Gon Jinn and his apprentice Obi-Wan Kenobi are dispatched to Naboo. They uncover a nefarious plot and rescue Padme, the queen. They end up shipwrecked on a desert planet, Tatooine. They discover young Anakin Skywalker, a kid with an incredible talent for the Force. They fight a red-faced badass who kills Qui-Gon before getting cut in half. And the people of Naboo join forces with our with local life forms to battle a common foe. Did I miss anything in the first movie? No, it's pretty... Pretty good, babe. You summed it up really well. So what were your thoughts and takeaways rewatching the movie now? You know, the first film, I know you didn't like it, watching it again. In ways... Oh, I'll get into that. <laughs> you know, the storyline in ways wasn't too bad. It was kind of interesting. I mean, it's a simple storyline, not a lot of depth to it, not a lot of um, complexity. It was a straight storyline, not a lot of side divergence, but... I thought the storyline was decent. It was interesting introducing some of the characters, um, Palpatine and different characters like that. You know, Annie, again, I had a hard time with the young boy. And then Jar Jar, you know, I kind of blank him out when he's on the screen. So it's like... <laughs> That's a wonderful ability that you have. I would say that watching this movie once every 20 years or so is just about right. Probably so, yeah. It sucked. I was openly <laughs> hostile towards this movie at times. I uttered an involuntary sigh at nearly everything Jar Jar said. You did. You did. <laughs> I hate pod racing with a fiery passion. I get it. Anakin has to be demonstrated as like a great pilot at a young age. You know, you could have told me that he's a pilot. I'd believe him. Or maybe you could do a short sequence where he's steals a ship or some bullshit and flies off but i hated all the pod racing i mean yeah they could have done it more simply than the way they did it with the whole pod racing thing i mean they did it with ray you know she was a natural pilot so you know and, yeah, luke, and she got in the millennium falcon stole that bitch and took off and i think luke was supposedly a natural pilot too it didn't come across as much as they did it with Anakin. Yeah, it wasn't net. It wasn't nearly as forced. Like eventually, he had to jump in the X-wing and blow up the Death Star. But like he had talked about piloting before. He did, and I don't think he piloted much X-wings. That I can't say for sure. If I know for sure, but it's like yeah, he just jumped in and knew what to do. So, but. for me, the only redeeming quality in the first film were the Jedi. I thought Qui Gon and Obi Wan were both really good. I Yeah, the relationship between the two, the actors are both great actors. I mean, they're two actors that could probably take a horrible script and make it something they can make, you know, make something from that script. But yeah, they were the redeeming quality. I, I do enjoy the queen in ways and the complexity of that planet as far as their 
ruling, how young she was when she was elected, how does that work, you know, and she using her handmaidens and the twist at the end was interesting. We knew it watching it a second time, but originally watching it was like, oh, wait a minute, you know, so. Yeah, I remember the first time watching it, I wasn't looking for Natalie Portman everywhere. Yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, yeah, that is Keira Knightley playing the queen because I remember Keira Knightley, it was her first film doing that. So. Real quick aside, what are your favorite other movies that um, Ewan McGregor and Taken Dude Liam Nielsen. I actually cannot name another movie that Ewan McGregor did. Oh, well, I can name one, Moulin Rouge, but I don't really remember it, so it's hard to qualify that. I guess I've seen a lot of dramas with him, and I just can't name the films because there was one where he was playing a writer, and that was very complex in depth. There was one that I really enjoyed where he ended up in the Middle East, and he creates a river and creates fish and brings water back to life of the Middle East. And it was actually very fascinating. So he brings balance to the force in the Middle East. Yeah. I've seen a lot of his films, actually, if I think about it, but I just can't. You kind of put me on the spot here. Um, Surprise. I've got a good one for Liam Nielsen. That's not the right actor's name, isn't it? It is. Is yeah. it? Yeah, Liam Nielsen. That's not the old dude that did the uh, parody spy movies, Naked Gun? Not Leslie not Nielsen. Leslie. Liam Nielsen. <laughs> Gangs in New York. Loved him in that film. Gangs in New York is really good. Also, I hate the Taken movies. Lamez was a great film with him in it. Um, was, he wasn't in the Wolverine version, right? No, not the Wolverine. They actually did a book version um, with him in it. He's actually really good. I've seen him in a lot, too, and now I'm blanking. Well, coming back to The Phantom Menace, here's the last uh, pin I want to put in this. Someday we're going to share Star Wars with our daughter. Yes, we are. I dread watching this movie again with her in the next 10 years or so. Well, it'll be interesting watching it because we'll be watching it through her and watching her expressions and seeing her experiencing it. So I think, yes, it'll be difficult to... Well, you could maybe plan your Switch and look up every five minutes if you want to. <laughs> That's very sweet of you. I'll be playing Baldur's Gate still by then. <laughs> yes, you will. And one thing we can come back to a little bit later, but why was Anakin so young in this film? Okay, that's the $1 million question I want to know, is why the hell did they hire an actor who was so young for the role and have Natalie Portman play the queen? Couldn't they have found a younger woman to be the queen if that yeah, was the case? I they should have. You know, if they wanted Natalie Portman, just have her on the sidelines for the next film. But and how old was Annie supposed to be? Like four? You know, I really don't know. I don't, maybe six, seven, but, you If know. he's six or seven, this movie was set 32 years before New Hope. That would put him at about our age as Darth Vader in A New Hope. Yeah, that probably makes sense, because he turned... What have I been doing with my life? Oh, my God, I've accomplished nothing. <laughs> yeah. I just have an awesome wife, a beautiful daughter, a great house, and a shitload of video games. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's be a different conversation if I was doing the show with Joey. Oh, whatever. What would you guys be talking about? We'd be talking about Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, <laughs> set 10 years later, 22 years before A New Hope. <laughs> the main story beats again. 10 years have passed. Anakin is now a Padawan, training under Obi-Wan Kenobi. The former queen, Padme, is now in the Imperial Senate. Obi-Wan and Anakin are assigned to guard here. Obi-Wan is sent off to investigate a clone army. Anakin is assigned to guard Padme and falls creepily and overdramatically in love with her. People can probably guess my thoughts on this movie oh, yeah. from that as well. Anyways, 
Anakin and Padme rush to rescue Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then they get captured. The Jedi Council arrives to save their crew with the clone army. Anakin gets his ass kicked by Count Doku, and we get to see Yoda flip around with a lightsaber. Yes, we do. We do get to see him flip around. Any other main beats from the movie that I might have missed? I mean, there's a confrontation with Jango Fett around the clones. Major pop points? No, you touched them all. One thing that you struggled with beyond the love story was just the change in Padme. Do you want to elaborate on that at all? In the first film, she was a very, I don't want to say stubborn, but she was a very forceful woman without being... She was resolute. She was resolute. She knew what she wanted. She got what she wanted. She um, didn't let anyone question her. She was a very strong female in her own way, and she never questioned herself, and she was very strong as a person. And then what happened in this movie? She just seemed weak. She just seemed to question everything. She just didn't question Anakin at all. She just didn't. She just let everything go. Oh, okay. She just was just weak to me. And it was just, it was, to me, it was a complete 180. I don't know if everyone would agree, but I just, to me, it was two different characters. It was just like the epitome in the second film should have maybe been in the first film where she's still trying to find her feet. And by the second film, she should be accomplished in what she's doing because she be, is a queen. Now she's a senator. But and when to, she's accomplished, then she earns the crop top that she dons in the second film. That's true, yes. But it seemed like she did a 180. It's like she was very accomplished young woman to all of a sudden being this young child in the second film who didn't know anything. It's just, I mean, she knew stuff, but it's just, it. you know, her resilience did come out in some of the scenes you know going after obi-wan trying to save him that was padme i was used to in the first film but the individual scenes with anakin and others is just it was too weak for me so did you have any thoughts on how they sexualized her more in the second film she went from wearing this big like over the top like almost garish costume for most of the first film to wearing skin tight clothes and a crop top in the second film Oh, sort of, yeah. And in the first film, she was mostly in servant clothing, so it was Kira Knightley in the big queen oh, outfits. Right. But, um, yeah, they did change the outfits. They wanted to dress her up, make her more of a sex appeal because the kids that were young that saw Anakin as a kid now are teenagers, so they just wanted to get them hard yeah. and heavy, hot and heavy, and just yeah. get them, you know, wanting her really bad. But, yeah, I mean... That's what films do, and, you know, you either can have issue with it or you can just say, you know, that's what films do, but... Overall, I didn't think that the second film... God, I can't even remember the title of it. Attack of the Clones. I didn't think it was a terrible movie. I was not super engaged in the first half of it, but once uh, Obi-Wan and Padme and Anakin were together and they were captured and shit got real for them. Then I thought it was pretty fun from that point through the end. The showdowns with Doku were good and I really enjoyed it from maybe the two thirds mark to the end. Yeah. The story was a little bit more, uh, complex. You know, it was nice to see, you know, Obi being, a little bit more of a detective, you know, his side story, trying to figure things out, you know, made the movie a little bit more interesting watching it through, you know, 
Oh, we got to watch Annie and Padme together. Oh, here's Obi doing something <laughs> interesting. So, Speaking of Annie and Padme together with a sound of distaste in her voice, this film did spur a burning distaste of Hayden Christensen for me. Like, I thought he was just <laughs> bad, just wooden. And like, out of all the actors they could have chosen to play the biggest badass in the galaxy in his formative years, Hayden freaking Christensen. Yeah, I don't know if this was his first films. I haven't really looked at his films to see what he's done before, but... I meant to look it up on IMDb, but it turns out when you're doing a podcast on nine movies, there's a lot of thoughts to get organized. Oh, yeah. fell through the cracks. Um, You know, I don't know. He's... I don't enjoy him. He was the wrong actor to have for the role. He was... I mean, he looks the part, but he just is acting, especially the scene where he comes back after he's killed the village, you know. Is that in the second movie or the third movie? Second movie, you know, when he's guarding Padme, they go to Tatooine to save his mom. He finds her dead and it's just, yeah, it's just, he can't carry the scenes very well in the whole conflict. And that's my whole issue with the way Anakin was handled to Darth Vader. To me, there's so com- so much complexity that needed to be shown through these films and they missed the boat on all of it. To me. You're not going to get the reference because you haven't seen the movie, but Hayden Christensen would have been perfect to play Zoolander, just the empty-handed <laughs> male model. Yes, I've seen the trailer, but I, I'm sure, yes. <laughs> so from the second movie, The Attack of the Clones, the Clone Wars animated series happened. It begins 22 years before A New Hope ends 19 years before the new hope a new hope i don't want to spend a lot of time here but i think it's important to talk about a little bit because it shows anakin's growth as a warrior and his importance to the republic we didn't watch the more recent animated series we watched the original animated movie yes we did um the original animated movie was done by the directors who did samurai jack and um i watched them uh, my brother told me to watch him, and I did watch him. But unfortunately, I didn't watch him until after Revenge of the Sith. It would have been nice to watch him before that because it does explain some of the things that ha- supposed to happen before the third movie. You know. Yeah, that was an interesting thing with the prequel trilogy. Like they really left you hanging between episodes two and three. Like we hadn't watched Clone Wars starting up episode three. I think I would have thought. What the hell is going on here? That and, you know, and the character Grievous, it's like all of a sudden you have this character show up and he's wheezing. It's like, who is this dude? He yeah. wasn't, where did he come from? Where is this he? robot at? <laughs> a cough. And that's one of my biggest complaints with the Star Wars movies is they leave a lot out there, which I understand books and TV shows. It allows them to do other things to get money in. But to me, it's like, there's ways to explain this without having to make us read a book, you know? Yeah, I believe that every movie should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that is why I take umbrage with another Star Wars film that we'll get to in just a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, no, it's it's a great anime. The first one is a little bit slower. I know there's not a lot of talking. Uh, the second one is enjoyable. There's a lot more growth. You get to see Anakin and his... Um, you know, his ability and his turn and stuff. And, and he looks nothing like Hayden Christensen, which is kind of fun. And actually, he's a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> they they should have just drawn Anakin for the first three movies. Yeah, I was going to say, just cut the character out and then stick him <laughs> all over. Or maybe just put his face over yes. Hayden Christensen. <laughs> so, oh my God, I said so. I did it again. Oh, this podcast is ruined. Drink. 
We are drinking whiskey out of Star Wars coffee mugs tonight because we didn't have Star Wars glass glasses, but this was a very fun idea. What's the ice cube, honey? And the ice cube is Darth Vader. We have some really cool stuff in our house. Yes, we do. Cheers to Star Wars. From the Clone Wars, we move on to Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, now set 19 years before A New Hope. A quick recap of the story. It opens with a big, cool CGI space battle. And, I mean, the CGI still looks good, right? Yeah, to me, it still looked pretty decent. I didn't really see much issue at all. Especially that opening sequence. That was really good. Yeah, it was really good. I know we saw that a lot of the sequence was meant for 3D, um, but Grievous, he's... Remember when 3D movies were a thing? I know. Oh, my God. I can think of one movie that was good in 3D. Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. That's probably been the best one. Um, otherwise, did we see Avatar in 3D? Did we see Avatar in 3D? Yes, we saw Avatar in 3D, honey. And you wore a cologne <laughs> that just had me literally buzzing in the movie theater. I just can't remember if we saw it in 3D. We saw it in 3D. Oh. That was the first 3D movie that I saw, and I saw it with you. Yeah. Years before we started dating. I know. Well, yeah. I mean, Grievous, I think, is cgi and he's pretty well done. I think, you know. Yeah, so it holds up so far to me. A big part of the opening sequence is a battle where Anakin is goaded into killing Dooku by Palpatine, and he immediately regrets the decision, but it showed Palpatine kind of manipulating Anakin towards the dark side. He wanted Anakin to leave an unconscious Obi-Wan behind so they could escape this doomed ship, but Anakin refuses. He rescues Obi-Wan. Soon after, he finds out he's going to be a dad. He has dreams that Padme is going to die. He is... Denied master status by the Jedi Council, which is a major sticking point for him. He learns that Palpatine is a Sith Lord. He reports it to the Jedi Council, but then he intervenes when Mace Windu is attempting to kill Palpatine. Palpatine survives. He issues already 66 and has the clone army kill all the Jedi. Obi-Wan and Yoda escape. Obi-Wan and Anakin have a showdown that nearly kills the young Skywalker. Avoid the high ground, Anakin. Avoid the high ground. I have the high ground. That's true. I have the high ground. (laughs) Anakin didn't listen, and he lost his damn legs for it, dummy. Well, this is one of my big sticking points, is how the hell did they let Palpatine get close to Anakin in the first place since he was a boy? You brought this up so many times as we were watching these movies. legitimate question. It's like, I think, aren't kids housed in the um building and i doubt they are let out much so how the hell did palpatine get into the building and start talking to palpit to anakin saying hey i'll be your buddy and then all of a sudden the rest is history louis him out with some candy yeah in the white van Ugh. yeah but that yeah that's been my biggest sticking points it's like how the hell did the jedi let that happen the one, the one thing Star Wars did to deflect against that was they had Yoda say, "Difficult to see the dark side is." Well, yeah, I, I can see that supposedly it might be, but you still they can feel certain things. It just seems odd that Palpatine would be able to hide it for so long, but I don't know. I don't know how strong Palpatine is supposed to be. Oh, he know? is like the ultimate badass. I know, but. He talks about the other master, but he killed him too. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it seemed odd that he, because Anakin never met Palpatine in the first movie. Did they have a brief introduction at the very end of the movie after he came to Coruscant? 
possibly. I think Palpatine said, "We'll watch your career with great interest." Or yes. was that a slightly older Anakin? That is. I probably think that was Kid Anakin. That was Kid Anakin, but I'm sure Kid Anakin would say, "Oh, I want to hang out with you, old dude." You know, so <laughs> that's one of my biggest bugaboos about the whole thing. So, but I enjoyed a good chunk of this film. Uh, I liked the darker tone of it. I would say that I liked the opening sequence to maybe halfway through. Eventually, I lost interest in it, but I think about half the movie I generally enjoyed. They started to get into a rhythm. It was a lot better. The fight scenes were good. The dark it was a lot of Obi-Wan, and yeah. Ian McGregor really carried these early films. Yeah, and I like Obi's one's character i mean there's a lot to his character that you know they really could have played with you know but yeah i mean hayden was still pretty weak but it was a lot better than the second one and you know i just i had a hard time with his turn it just didn't convince me as well as it should have is my problem. And that's probably just the actor or the the script partly, you know. Well, there is the threat of his, the love of his life dying, pushing him towards the dark side. That's a pretty strong motivator. If the dark side offers offered something that could save her, I mean, I can empathize with that point of view. No, I could understand that too. But, I mean, I guess the question is, is why didn't he talk to Pel- um, to Padme, you know? explain it to her his fears his anxiety if he loved her so much you know and supposedly he's brother to obi-wan so why didn't he bring it up to obi-wan though well, i know bring it up with obi-wan because he's it was a secret marriage that's true yeah i forgot about that silly me i know he brought it up to yoda they could have played on that a lot more than they you know, it just to me, it seems. I mean, it should have been the major focus point of the whole third movie, not have the battles that ended the Clone Wars. Yeah. I mean, you had to have Order 66 in it because that's such a huge part of the Star Wars world is the death of the large majority of the Jedi. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess that's the thing. It's like they should have. Um, I know I they think wanted. The problem the- is that is a psychological movie. A psychological movie where Star Wars is an action franchise, and maybe they just didn't know how to do it maybe they didn't think that it would sell maybe they didn't think it was on brand yeah that's true i mean yeah they wanted the battle scenes because that's where they that's what star wars is known for the battles the sky battle um you know but we haven't seen the joker yet i'm sorry i keep cutting off we haven't seen the joker yet but it feels like a joker type film would have been exactly what anakin needed for the turn i think so i mean they could have i think they still could have done a great action film but still had a psychological turn. But I understand your point. You know, when you're dealing with kids, family, how dark do you want to go with the film? But to me, they should have, you know, to make it more substantial, you know, as far as the turn. Him killing kids, like, I get yeah, having that was a sh- an awfully quick turn from reluctantly killing a formidable enemy in Count Dooku to murdering all the kids in the temple. I know. It's just the switch was too fast, too quick. It just, yeah, that's where I had issue with the whole thing. So well, It's not the first time you went berserk and killed civilians, basically. They're all the sand people in the second movie. I know, but his mother was just killed, so he kind of went berserk that way. But, you know, to all of a sudden have Palpatine say, oh, go kill everyone. Oh, that's my other biggest bugaboo, is that... Yeah, here it comes. <laughs> so... He's a whiny kid who feels privileged. He's told he's the chosen one. He questions 
every single thing that comes out of the Jedi Order. But Palpatine, he never questions him at all. It's like, even when he becomes Darth Vader, he never questions him. It's like that whole switch. It's like, you know, it's just, I don't know if it's just the screenwriting or the Hayden Christensen. It's just, to me, he just questioned everything about the Jedi and just didn't seem to believe in the Jedi Order. He just believed he was privileged. He should be the head. They should all follow him. And then all of a sudden when he becomes Darth Vader, which we'll talk about later, but it's like he bows down to Palpatine. He doesn't question him. He doesn't, he's he's the correct, you know, right guy to follow. It's just that whole thing is just one off possi- to me. One possible explanation is he could have felt like the Jedi were holding him back, not letting him reach his full potential. Which he kept bringing up, which I understand, but still it's like to question everything, you know, it's just like and whine and complain but you know Palpatine has him on a short leash basically when he becomes Darth Vader so why doesn't he question him he gets to go nuts as much as he wants to freak out and murder everybody if he wants to yeah I guess yeah how well do you think this trilogy holds up overall it has earned the vitriol of hardcore Star Wars fans for all time is that vitriol fair do you think or is it what is your take on the prequel trilogy as a whole? The prequel trilogy as a whole is a great storyline, and you have some great characters. Um, you have Yoda, you have Master Windu, which you don't realize how strong he is unless you watch the animated um, Clone Wars series. Cause yeah, I kept wondering why he was on the screen like the first time I watched the three movies. like Without seeing him tear stuff up in the Clone Wars, it's like, oh... I guess he is pretty B.A. Yeah, he's up there with Yoda. They're about equal. There's so much mythos that could have been done so well through those prequels, which they tried to do, but I know they were trying to win over small kids and keep them engaged and make products and make that whole thing. They were trying to make money, not tell the best possible story. And that is kind of the unforgivable sin of these movies. Yes, that is what I agree with too. There was already a passionate fan base and I think they did a major disservice to us. Yeah, because that whole mythos, that whole prequel story about the love story this beautiful love story that was supposed to happen to them having these kids and then to him changing and turning to the dark side could have, that's where I just feel so sad because it's like it could have been done so much better, but it wasn't. And it's, I think it's out there. It's a good story and people should watch it to understand a lot of the star Wars mythology, but I just as sad in how poorly it was done. So Well, it's owned by Disney now. Disney is not shy about blowing up Star Wars canon. What if they remade the first three movies? Uh, it would be interesting. I don't know if Lucas made them sign a thing saying that they can't, you know. Possible, but I think that will have so much potential. You know, I don't know. It would have potential, but I mean, they probably think, well, it's we've been there. We've done that. It's over with. Let's do something different new. Yeah, let's do Aladdin. Only this time the cast will all be cats. <laughs> but, you know, you have the books. You have Thrawn, which you've read the first book. and Oh, that's a segue into our next topic. And, you know, you just, you have these other, what would you call them, universes? Or, um, other stories within the galaxy. Well, they're, they're, 
Thrawn isn't part of that galaxy. He's part of a different galaxy, I think, right? Yep. And so, yeah, so it's just, there's so much that Disney could take from, I think, that maybe they'll say, no, we're not going to mess with this. So You crushed all my hopes and dreams, my love. I'm sorry. I would agree. I wish uh, they would do it, but I just don't see it. Sigh. We're going to take a quick break from movies, and we're going to talk about a couple of books. We went seriously nuts trying to prepare for this Star Wars episode. We, we cast did. a very broad net. As part of our month plus of prep for the show, we both grabbed Star Wars books to read. What did you grab, and what were your impressions of it? I grabbed Budline. I started reading it. I know the beginning part is pretty dry with the whole Senate meeting and just like... Do you remember the basic premise of the book? What happens is that they're finding out that there is this... Uh, Ring of, um, I, I'm just the words aren't coming to me, but the black market. It was sort of a black market ring that was happening that was not supposed to happen, but a void was left and it came through. So Leia has promised to go and um, to this planet and to investigate, and she has to bring this other guy who's part of. They're not called the Separatists, but something else. But and it's. It's them trying to investigate and figure out what's going on. And it shows her being more adventurous and more um, more of who she becomes as a general. You know, we, we know she's forthright, strong female princess, knows her mind. But, you know, they just dwell more into that character and, you know, how adventurous she can be. So... I also checked out the first chapter. Very dry start. Do you have an interest in seeing it through to the end? Yep, I will. I mean, it was getting really good. I just got distracted by other stuff. So. Yeah, and we had the holidays. So Yes, we did. There's only so much time that we can dedicate to Star Wars, and we did so much. We did. I read Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. It was previously written and was a canon canonical book in the old timeline of Star Wars. Uh, but it had to be redone to become official canon in the new Star Wars universe. It details Thrawn's discovery by the Empire and his rise to power in the Imperial Navy. He was oppressed because of his race and a general lack of political polish. He won a series of military victories that led to a string of promotions. The main antagonist in the story was a smuggler called Night Swan that he had constant run-ins he was always one step behind despite all his other military victories night swan was always one two three steps ahead of him uh on his own thrawn discovered that the empire was working on the death star when it was still a top secret project so like he noticed that a whole bunch of minerals were being bought up by the empire with no like output that matched the amount that they were buying up there were just a lot of things that i really liked about the character thrawn he was always well prepared he considered confrontations from all angles and did everything he could to give himself the best advantage. And he valued life. He would go out of his way to try to save people if he could and not cause wanton casualties. Yeah, sounds like a fascinating character. I would like to try to read it at some point. It was really cool. It's a trilogy of books. I can't wait to read more about it. His assistant got stuck with him when he was first discovered and rode with him all the way through the first book before being sent off on his own adventure and the epilogue. And if you're a Star Wars fan and want to dive more into the expanded universe, I loved Thrawn. Yeah, no, you really loved it. You kept reading it every night. Even though we're supposed to go to bed, you're like, another chapter. Another chapter, another chapter. Even though I was trying to play Final Fantasy and I had 
the Switch and I had new games, like I was really addicted to that book. You were, yep. Before we move on, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Premier Health has solutions for back pain, neck pain, car accident and work injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. For me, it was a lot of fun going back to the original Star Wars trilogy. I've seen each of these movies a handful of times each. We have the movie posters for each framed in our basement, prominently we, on display. We do, yep. It was uh, in between the prequel and the original trilogy. We also watched Solo and we watched Rogue One. And Rogue One basically segues right into Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yes, it does. Burning through a quick recap of the story. Princess Leia's ship is boarded. She hides planet on a droid, and she is captured by Darth Vader. The droids are purchased by Luke Skywalker's uncle, and Luke takes them to find Obi-Wan Kenobi. Luke finds out that his dad was a Jedi. He doesn't realize who his dad was yet, or the menace that Darth Vader is, just that his dad was a Jedi, and he gets his lightsaber. Luke's family is murdered, so he agrees to accompany Obi-Wan to deliver the plans. The ship they hire is captured by the Empire. Luke, Han, and Chewie rescue Princess Leia. Obi-Wan confronts Darth Vader and is struck down. The Rebel Alliance deciphers the plans and blows up the Death Star. Anything major that I left off? No, nothing. I mean, it's a, a good film. It brings me back to my childhood. It's, you know, it's a well-done film at that time, and it's great. I love the mythos of what they created with that first film that was ever released. And, you know... There's things that now watching the prequels into that film that you can see that... Apparently they had to make some concessions with that film to yes. make it a more tidy story. This is something we talked about a lot as we were watching the movies. How much did the story change to make New Hope the first movie? Was that the most sellable piece? Like, I would just love to know the real rationale behind why George Lucas started his tale in the middle of the tale. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe... He was just starting with the story, and all of a sudden it grew after New Hope, and it just that was his original thought and didn't realize and just, you know, went from there. There's a lot of plot points, you know. It's like Obi would have recognized R2-D2, you know. Probably C-3PO because he's seen him too. And then the way the um, Luke's uncle talked about Anakin, it's like they were close and knew each other and grew up together. So it's just... There's a few things that I don't know why they just didn't write the prequels in a way that would make sense for that new hope. But, I mean, people can overlook those points. So, so. You said it brings you back to your childhood. Princess Leia is a strong female lead character in an era where there weren't a lot of them. How does she compare to other female stars from the era that you recall? I mean, she's a strong female character that very strong and I don't know how to put this but I mean she's not they didn't overly put her made it seem overly too much she was very subtle she wasn't in your face with her yes. confidence and her self-assurance but it was definitely there like, it was there it wasn't hidden it wasn't blaring in our face either it's just like, like at know. the end of the movie as they're getting ready for the battle of Yevon she is telling the pilots what to do. She is laying out the plan, and she is coordinating all these male pilots. I And this was done in the 80s, and, you know, it's just 70s. like... 70s. 70s. So, I mean, she was a very strong female in these films, and, 
you know, she's a princess and she is a character to admire. And you can do strong females without having to be so blaring in the face. And Leia, you know, in this movie really shows how you can do it. Still a good film. We enjoyed it. Maybe not the highlight of Star Wars, but definitely better than the prequel trilogy still. The next movie was Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. I think it's widely accepted as the best movie in the original trilogy, although I have always been a Return of the Jedi guy myself. It's set three years after A New Hope. A quick recap. It opens with the iconic Battle of Hoth. Luke splits off from the Alliance to find Yoda. Luke does some cardio and lifts rocks with Yoda. Leia, Han, and Chewie are captured by the Empire. Luke cuts his training short to confront Vader. Vader freezes Han Solo in carbonite and gives him to Boba Fett. Vader tells Luke that he is his father. What a weird sentence. He is his father. That Vader is Luke's father. Vader cuts off Luke's hand and the hero plummets down a ravine rather than turn to the dark side. Luke is rescued by Leia and Lando, and then the movie just abruptly ends without any kind of closure. You know, I have to say, I was always a Return of the Jedi as a kid, but now watching uh, Empire Strikes Back as an adult, I can see why it's one of the better movies of the three of the originals, and I am starting to think it's one of my favorites now out of the three. It's a very strong story. It's well put together, except for the whole... I love you. I know. That's funny. Let's stop there for a second. It's one of the most, maybe the most iconic moment in the series. Like, it's up there with blowing up the Death Star. I love you. I know. Why does that grind your gears so bad, my love? Hey, I would like him to say it back to me. If he just, he's a scoundrel, honey. He's, if he's holding his cards close to his vest. Well, then I'm not going to go and save his ass and become a slave to Jabba the Hutt because you just said, I know. <laughs> it's like, no, I need commitment here, buddy. If you're being frozen, I'm just going to keep you there because you didn't say I love you back. You're going to move on with your life and just leave him in carbonite for all time? Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I chose the right answer when you said you love me. <laughs> I know everyone says it's a cool way to say I love you, but to me, it's like if I unthaw his ass and he's like, well, you know, I wasn't sure. I knew that you loved me, but I wasn't sure, so I'm not sure about us being together. And yeah, so to me, it was just like, but I know it's iconic and people love it. And And you know that they get together, honey. I know, but... They make a little evil baby. They do, but he turns to the dark side and kills his father. Honey, you're getting so far ahead of us. I know. Two movies from now. (laughs) But no, it's um. So, but I enjoyed Empire Strikes Back a lot more as an adult, and it's a very well done film. And I do know that not having a true ending bugs you. I guess it irritates me so much. It doesn't bug me so much. Um, I guess my other bugaboo about it, I keep saying bugaboo, I must be a mother, Hmm. is... That's one of our nicknames for a child. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Is how come Luke knows, I mean, sorry, Darth Vader knows Luke is his son, but he's held... feels it in the force, honey. But he had Leia on a ship for how long and he didn't realize she's his daughter 
If he knew she was his daughter, you'd think he would have held on to her or try to turn her to the dark side. So that was that's kind of a plot point that I have a little bit struggle with. So Yeah, that's pretty a pretty good point. But that was the last movie, honey. That was the last movie. We're like three years beyond that now. Ugh, okay. But no, I really enjoyed it. So Do you remember your first reaction to Darth Vader telling Luke that Luke was his child? I was like, liar. <laughs> Were you? Yeah, I didn't believe it at all. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I turned and looked at my dad. He's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I said, bull crap. <laughs> Whatever, dude. But at least. Villains lie. We had the convenience of putting the next tape in where everyone else had to wait how many years? <laughs> Two or three. <laughs> so. We got that closure in Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. This was set four years after A New Hope. It opens with my favorite scene in all of Star Wars, or my favorite sequence. Luke rescues Han from Jabba the Hutt. I always did like that, too. Yeah, and we could get so deep and so nerdy on it, but again, people have probably seen it. They're familiar, so we're going to cruise right past it. The crew travels to the forest moon of Ender to disable the shields for the new Death Star. Luke gives himself up to try to turn Vader to the light side of the Force. The rest of the crew meets a bunch of teddy bears. When Luke won't turn to the dark side, the Emperor decides to kill him, and Anakin throws him down a giant shaft, thereby returning to the light side of the Force and absolving his 30-some years of murdering anyone who ever opposed him. He was just looking for love, and he found love in Luke's eyes, and I'm a father! I'm going to turn to the light side! Yay! If you're not familiar, you should watch How It Should Have Ended. They do hilarious videos parodying a lot of the things that we talk about on OIO, and they're just delightful. They have one for every Star Wars movie, and How It Should Have Ended on YouTube, abbreviated H-I-S-H-E. Fantastic. I love the Marvel ones, too, but Return of the Jedi was always my favorite. It might have been the teddy bears. You know, it's closure to the whole three films so i think that was part of it it was my favorite too i think the sequence of jabba's palace i always yeah. just adore it. that was a big part of it and i think the redemption of darth vader was a big part of it too because i love that struggle between good and evil and conquering your inner demons yes. and overcoming insurmountable emotional odds yeah no i think it was you know it was just great the jabba palace scene is probably well done um, I love Luke's confidence in that scene. Yes. The way like he offers to peacefully barter for Han Solo, and when that is rebuked, he responds with violence, and he handles his business. Yeah, he knew what to do. I guess the question I have is, why did it take him four years if they knew Han was with Jabba? Took a while to get the pieces into place. Lando true. was in the inner circle, and... Uh, That's true, you're right. Yeah. You know, it takes a while to make those things happen. Luke had to finish his training. You always have a little bit of answer to I do. I will defend <laughs> you will defend. to the end of the year. <laughs> it also gave us the Golden Bikini, another one of the most iconic yes. movies in Star Wars. Uh, Boba Fett ends up in the Sarlacc pit where he belongs. You love that. Oh, man. Going back to the whole Luke, uh, Luke, Leia and Han Solo love in this film, it was, I find, rewatching it, it was a lot weaker in this third film versus the second film. I don't know if it was the directing or what, but it's just... You pointed out one thing that had us chuckling pretty good. 
when they're all in the Ewok village before Luke leaves, <laughs> he tells Leah that they're siblings. No, she doesn't tell him. She just asks him to hold her. And Han goes. Well, she talks to Luke first, and then yeah. Han comes out. Yeah. And Han sees that she's distraught, and she asks Han to hold her, and he puts his arms around her, and what does he say? He doesn't say anything, but he just has loose arms, and he's just patting her on the back. Like, like they're there. They're there. They're like, there. he's a brother or friend. It was not like a lover holds a lover. It's just like, they're there. So, I don't know. It just seemed like, in, in other scenes, too. It well, just maybe they weren't lovers yet, honey. Maybe they were waiting for marriage. Maybe it was <laughs> just beyond plutonic at that point. <laughs> you can be in love without... He wanted to get in her pants and Empire Strikes Back. So why would there be a shift in Return of the Jedi? That's one I don't have a comeback or retort for, honey. Good point. (laughs) You know, I I enjoy the originals. They're probably always going to be my favorites, you know. And even with how old they are, to me, they still hold up. We'll see how Daisy thinks when she's older. I bet she's going to hate them. So I'll pose the same question here. Could Disney remake these films? Would we be interested in watching updated Star Wars and new actors cast this? Video games are getting remastered like crazy. Do they want to put a new face on the original Star Wars saga? I guess as far as being someone that wasn't there when the movie first came out in the theaters, you know, like my brother, our friends, Nate, Don, and them, who saw them in the theater and grew up with it, I think their answer would be no, you know, I think the nerd rage would be yeah. unbelievable. I think the movies would probably be outstanding. Look at what Disney has done with the Marvel films. Like they can put together a big budget they film. They could, and yeah. It's just I'm trying to think of something for us. Like for me, if someone decided to remake Jurassic Park, I would have a hard time with it because the original is just so good, you know. So I know Jurassic Park isn't probably the best example, but you no, know, it's a good one. I mean. Amazing original property that has aged, but you know is still good. Yeah, but no, I to me the the originals hold up. I don't think they need to be redone, even though it could be a director that we could trust. But you know, some nerd is going to have, or someone's going to have an issue with it, or they're going to be holes in it, or they're going to do something because of money or cost or something. You know, so I think they should let let it be not touch them at all so do we have any other thoughts or any unanswered questions from the original trilogy before we move on why do people hate ewoks i'm I mean, not sure them now, sorry go ahead i asked you a question i can allow you to answer no no I, I i'm trying to think i'm not sure i know they're little teddy bears i mean probably to i know certain people of an age group really hate them i don't know if it was jar jar binks to them as Jar Jar Binks is to us, it, they're a little and annoying and nonsensical to them. But Jar Jar Binks was like a blethering idiot. This was a primitive indigenous species that rose up to battle the oppressive empire. See, that's the thing. I agree with you. They're indigenous. They fought. They won. They contributed where Jar Jar never contributed anything. And part of the allure of Star Wars is like all the different worlds, all the different races. I mean... Wookies for Christ's sake. I know. Look at the Wookies. Do Ewoks suck because they're little people? Yeah, and that's the thing. That's sizes, bastards. Yeah, so I don't know. It's like I'm not sure why certain people just don't like him, but I enjoy him. I you know, like you said, they're indigenous 
culture of that planet. So they're not my favorite species in Star Wars, but I appreciate the role that they played and the impact that they made and the risk that they took in aiding the rebellion. Yeah, I agree with you. Ewoks. Any other thoughts on the original trilogy? Uh, there probably is, but my mind's blinking, so... Um, it's been a lot of Star Wars. Yes. Maybe we should have done a show on each trilogy. But we're committed now. We're two-thirds of the way through. Yes, we are. Let's keep going. Before we hit the final trilogy, we're going to discuss Tom Awesome's top five favorite Star Wars characters. It's time now for... Tom Awesome's Top 5 Countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Number 5, Thrawn. I didn't expect to like him that much. I thought he was a villain. And I tend to like charismatic villains, but Thrawn was different somehow. I really enjoyed him. Number 4, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Largely because of the prequel trilogy and Ewan McGregor. It was funny going back to A New Hope when Obi-Wan wasn't nearly as charismatic anymore. He wasn't. And actually, I enjoyed how they did Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars animated show, too. Yeah, he was really good there as well. Yeah. Number three, Yoda. Specifically from the original trilogy. Because in the prequel trilogy, they twisted every sentence he had into Yoda speak, which was super annoying. In Empire Strikes Back... It is a sentence here and there where things are inverted, and it's much more charming when it's kind of a rare, quirky thing as opposed to sentence every must be misconstrued. <laughs> it became a joke, so I guess they ran with it in the new stuff. I don't know. But. Yeah, I mean, people liked it, but they just, I thought they leaned way too hard into it, into the original trilogy. Number two, biggest badass in the galaxy, Darth Vader. And he overcomes his demons to become a good guy in the end. Yeah, he does, and he's a good character. I just, again, wish they did a better job. Wish they did a better job with Anakin. Darth Vader was badass. Yeah, that's true. You're all right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And number one, I love Rey. I do, too. There are so many iconic characters. Like, I was surprised that Han Solo didn't make my list. For a long time, Han was my favorite character in all of Star Wars. Luke Skywalker didn't make really? my list. <laughs> Uh, a couple of less popular characters that I like a lot, but didn't quite make the top five, Kylo Ren. I, I know you love Kylo Ren, but I just, I don't know. I, he just seemed too whiny for me, and I had a hard time with him and stuff on the screen. He just came across too whiny, but that's me. We'll talk about him more a little bit later. Chirrut Imwe, I don't remember how to pronounce his last way, but he's one with the Force. The Force is with him. Yes. He was pretty cool. Rogue mm-hmm. One was a lot better the second time through. And the Master Codebreaker from the eighth film, The Last Jedi. Oh, really? You like him, huh? I did. I thought, uh, you know, there's a lot of scoundrels in the Star Wars universe, but I think he is the most scoundrelly of the scoundrel. He was, yeah. He was like he very... perfectly neutral. He cast his lot with the good guys, but when they got caught, he cut a deal, and it was devastating for the good guys. It's like yep. you dance with the devil, and there's always a cost. Oh, yeah. He's a great actor. He's really good. Good choices, babe. Thank you. What do we miss? Tweet your thoughts at TomSidLogicOIO. Here we go on the final three movies. The final trilogy, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, set 34 years after A New Hope. 
which means that if Darth Vader had still been alive, he would have been 74 at this point. Wow. Uh, Luke, if he was, say, 16 at A New Hope, he would be... Uh-oh, I scrolled past page on the notes. He would be 50 at this point. Okay. Recapping the story, it opens with Poe. He gets secret plans, but he is captured by the First Order. He puts the plans in his droid. Finn wants to escape the First Order. He's a stormtrooper, and he breaks Poe out of prison. They crash land on Jakku, and Poe's droid ends up with Rey. Finn promises to deliver Rey and the droid to the Resistance. They steal the Millennium Falcon from a junkyard. They are captured by Han and Chewie. While looking for help, they are attacked by the First Order. Rey is captured, and Finn mounts a rescue mission. I forget where exactly the moving base that blows up planets, not the Death Star, but Starkiller base, (laughs) where that rolls in. They allude to it, and then you finally see it towards the end. so, So we have a whole new cast of Star Wars characters to process here yeah along with old the old iconic crew intermixed throughout no luke skywalker no just talked about what are your thoughts on the three new main characters poe ray and finn i really enjoy them all i really enjoy the chemistry between ray and finn i mean from the beginning when they first meet up it's just the chemistry is natural they're great they work well together and it's fun, you know, they just get caught up in the snowball events and it just keeps going and they keep rolling with it and they develop a friendship that, you know, will always be there, you know. And One little thing that I liked in their relationship was when they first meet, Finn keeps trying to hold her hand and she keeps calling him out on it. Again, like I say, you know, J.J. really when he's one of those act directors, not actors, who can... I don't think he wrote the script completely, but he can do humor in his films without without it seeming like humor. They're funny. They're natural. It happens naturally in the film. You know, it's not like he's pushing for a laugh. And I do think it's an adorable scene where she keeps telling him to quit holding her hand or why are you holding my hand? Finn is a fascinating character. I've always found him fascinating since we first saw him in Force Awakens and I always thought it would be cool if it turned out that he was going to be the Jedi, but, you know, Rey was always going to be that character. I just thought maybe she'd be the powerful one, but he becomes one, you know. But I really enjoy their relationship. Poe, he's on the outside. I can start to see the relationship a little bit in the first film. He's very charismatic, but he doesn't do a lot in this first film. No, not really, and... I think I heard somewhere he was originally supposed to be written off, but the actor was so good that they kept him in the film. And so I think that whole scene, it's like, how did he survive the crash? You know, <laughs> you know, so disbelief with that whole scene. But you that know. was a weird scene. Like he falls out of his jacket for Christ's sake. I know. It's like he ends up somewhere else. Yeah. Unharmed. Yeah. And then it somehow gets back to the resistance, you know, yeah. before Finn and Ray. But Poe. I'm glad he's in the films. I enjoy the chemistry, especially in this last film, you know. But, yeah, I think the three are great characters. They did a great job introducing them and bringing them into the universe, so. Han Solo is an old man in this film. Really old. (laughs) I know one person that I used to work with hated the fact that he was doddering around a battlefield and firing at stormtroopers and, like. Really? Why? I don't know. Like, he's of a similar age, too. So maybe he felt that that was unrealistic at his age. I don't know. But 
Well, Han Solo is not an office worker who sits behind a desk who does it. <laughs> Han Solo is an active individual who's running around constantly. So True. Yeah. Do you think it felt forced at all to wedge the original Star Wars cast into this film? Would it have been better served to focus more on the new cast members with perhaps a cameo from other characters? Or did you like having Han and Chewie and Leia playing prominent roles? I enjoyed them playing prominent roles, but you are making me start to think, you know, maybe it might have been interesting if they did keep it off on its own with, you know, them as very small side characters. But, you know, maybe the story would have changed a little bit. I don't know. If Ben had to be the bad guy, you know, I don't know. But if that's, well, I guess in ways he had to be because he's the grandson of Darth Vader for that whole dark side story to come through. But So I guess maybe it makes sense to have them where they are in the first film. I enjoyed it. It was fun seeing them. You know, there's a lot of mystery behind everything, though, which left things unanswered, you know, some questions. But... I enjoyed it. They introduced new bad guys in this film. Kylo Ren is Darth Vader's grandson. He is the son of Han and Leia. And he's turned to the dark side. He is apprenticed to Snoke, the supreme leader of the First Order. And they are imposing their will on the galaxy. Yep. And, you know, again, it's one of those things. It's like, I wish I knew a little bit more. How did this all happen? Blah, blah, blah. But I think... In itself, the film as a whole, at, by itself, it was a really good, well-done film. So, I really like Kylo Ren. From the outset, he is emotional. He is passionate. And I think maybe that's why he resonates so well. Yeah, when, I guess you're like, right. When yeah. Things don't go as planned or as he wants them to. Like He loses his GD mind. and like There's a scene where he destroys a room with his lightsaber because they got away with the plans. Yeah, I mean, he's very passionate, very, um, you know, he is undisciplined versus Darth Vader. That is a great observation. Because Darth Vader was very disciplined, listened to Palpatine, never really... He didn't act out as much when he truly became Darth Vader. He acted out when... Anakin turned to the dark side, but as soon as he became Darth Vader, I don't, unless the books he does, but as far as the movies show, he never acted out. He was very subservient to Palpatine, where Kylo is just a very emotional, very raw type character. And I think that's why it resonates so well with me. I like that rawness. Like, I myself am an emotional and passionate person, so yes, to see that personified and someone with such a prominent role in the galaxy, I liked it. I know that you had a problem with him being whiny, but I thought it left the door open to him potentially turning to the light side, and I like having that intrigue with this character. Uh, possibly. It's just, it was just, I had a hard time with that whole scene, I guess. The biggest part I had is that whole scene between him and Han and him killing his father. You they know. were going for a big moment to relaunch the Star Wars. They were going for their Luke, I am your father type moment for this trilogy. Yeah, I guess I don't know if I... It just it didn't sit well with me the way he was asking his father to help him. It's like, help you with what? You know, I can understand help him switch to the light side, but to go to the dark side, I just it didn't really resonate with me because if he had to kill someone of importance to turn to the dark side... 
I think it would I be. Thought he had to do it to get the red soul stone. Yes. <laughs> I think the big character that he would have had to kill to be completely severed from the light side would be his mother. And so it's just, you know. Oh, shit, it is just like the soul stone situation. <laughs> but <clears throat> The actor's done with this franchise, so we just got to yep. kill him off somehow. Yep. But no, I mean. I totally agree with you on that point. That felt forced. It felt out of place. It just didn't. Something about that scene didn't quite sit right. And yeah, it's a horrible thing to it is. kill your father. It but is. I, it didn't make a lot of sense. It wasn't relatable. Yeah, that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say. And we had our qualms with it because it just felt too much like New Hope storyline, you know. What, you mean a giant base that blows up planets? They'd done that before? Twice? And they had a meeting and talked to how they're going to do the plan and fighters go in. Yeah, I mean... It's a fine line between homage and retread, I think. I guess it is and a very fine line. They they didn't navigate it very well here. But still, there's some stuff that I really loved in this movie, despite the obvious callbacks to A New Hope. The closing sequence in the forest with Finn and Rey and Kylo yes. Ren, like an untrained Rey and Finn's raw passion and Kylo Ren's badassery that was a great scene well done again that's why i thought maybe finn might become a jedi because he was um doing pretty well with the lightsaber until he got bested by kylo ren but yeah it's just it was a well done scene and her uh daisy who played ray she did an incredible job of showing how she had no training at all for fighting. She just had no natural ability. But once I mean, she, she was scrappy, but yeah, she wasn't trained in a dojo or anything. Yeah, it's just you saw her floundering until she called for the force and she got a little more power to help her with it. But, you know, overall, I, th- I really enjoyed the film. I liked how they reinduced the whole Star Wars saga. I liked how they brought everything back, you know, and... I think J.J. did an amazing job of making it feel like Star Wars, but also feel new. Like it had yeah, he did. The action, the magic, the regal nature of the original trilogy, but in a very modern way. Yes, I totally agree. The next movie picked up almost immediately afterwards. Yes, it does. Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, set 34 years after A New Hope, almost a direct continuation of A Force Awakens. This is where my show notes stop, so you're up for providing the recaps. <laughs> Me. Ray found Luke Skywalker. She hands him his lightsaber, which is the closing moment from A Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. And then he flings it over the edge, which is a beautiful scene. And then she follows uh, Luke Skywalker around the island, trying to convince him to come back and help the resistance because he was their last hope for ending this conflict. Luke sees her raw power and is scared because it's just like Kylo Ren. Yeah, and reminds him of his mistakes with Kylo Ren and his fear of it. You find out why Kylo Ren turned to the dark side and, oh, he murdered a bunch of kids just like his grandfather. Yep, exactly the same. You see her raw power in ways... And you find out, she finds out that Luke has cut himself off from the Force completely. So he doesn't know really what's going on. Then you have... The Resistance is in a bad way. They're down to their last few ships and they're being tracked through hyperspace, which was previously something that was not possible. 
So they are trying to struggle against the First Order, knowing exactly where they're going and having limited resources. So they are running low on gas. Um, Leia has been in a coma. And there is General, I can't remember her name. She's Holdo. Holdo, she's in charge, and they're just trying to keep out of distance from the cannons from the um, First Order. And our heroes are losing their mind. Yep. Ray or Ray is off with Luke. Finn decides to try to desert, but he gets caught by a mechanic, and they hatch a plan to break into the Imperial Star Destroyer, disable the tracking through light speed, and give the Resistance a six-minute window to jump away. Yes. So they talk to Poe. Poe gave them the go-ahead. They escape an escape pod and fly to a casino where they're supposed to find a code breaker who wears a red... Florida No, starts with P. A flower. So you see this whole beautiful uh, casino scene, the rich who are getting rich off the war. They get caught. They get thrown in prison. They meet a guy who says he can help break them in. and He's a code breaker. They escape, and the code breaker, they join him on a ship. They fly the ship and get onto the Snoke's um, cruiser. Cruiser. Meanwhile, Poe forces a mutiny on the ship to try to buy them time to hatch this crazy, or to finish this crazy plan. Yep, and they're just about to get to that point of hacking it when they get caught. Uh, Fen, Rose, and the code breaker. The code breaker sells them out. And the last 30 resistance transports, which are desperately trying to get to a rebel base, started getting blasted out of the sky. We should have counted how many actually got shot. They started with 30. We saw a whole lot get blown up. Yeah, we did. And so they were cloaked, but because the Codebreaker told them what was happening, they were able to see them and shoot those ships and destroy them. Then all the important people get to the rebel base on this salt planet. Yeah, out in a mine. Ray has been the film been connected with Kylo Ren through a force connection. I can't remember what it's called. In the third movie, they call it a dyad. Two That's that are true. one. That's true. And so they've been talking, and then she touched him through the dyad, and they believe she believes she can turn him to the light side. He thinks he can convince her to the dark side. So she does the only logical thing in the world. She gets on a ship and she flies to Kylo Ren. Yep, to try to convince him Brilliant. to come to the light side. He arrests her and brings her to Snoke. Snoke is calling her a foolish girl. And then Kylo kills Snoke. They fight to um, with each other to kill all the guards of Snoke. Totally badass fight scene. It was. Yes, it was. And then they... Um, Kiss. Pretty close, but not really. <laughs> they fight... You would have liked this movie so much more if they had. <laughs> I don't know. He's a whiny little kid, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she can help him grow up, honey. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, they fight over... his own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> They fight over the lightsaber, which breaks. General Haldo. Haldo. She stayed behind on the big cruiser trying to give the little transport time to get away. She turns the ship around, turns it to light speed, and splits uh, Snoke's ship in half. Ray escapes. Everyone's on the planet. Kylo Ren flies down the planet with his 
army because he has now pronounced himself supreme leader of the First Order because Snoke is dead. And then that's how the Sith work, honey. You kill your master and you take his place, and you know you're the ultimate badass. And then there's a huge battle on that planet. Luke all of a sudden appears. He buys them time by fighting Kylo Ren. And then the resistance finds a way to escape out the back of the bunker. And there is Ray, who had to move some rocks with the Force. They make so many jokes about lifting rocks with the Force. Yes, they did. And everyone escapes on the Millennium Falcon, and it turns out that Luke wasn't really there. He was just a... He was a projection. A projection. And somehow he sacrificed himself to help the Resistance get away. And the energy to do the projection was too much for him, and he dies. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. But one of the greatest scenes in that film, I would have to say, is Yoda. Luke is about to go up to the tree because he's so pissed off about everything and about how the Jedi, Jedi needs to die, the religion needs to die, and he's about to light the tree that has all the sacred texts. And Yoda shows up in his ghostly presence, and Luke just can't do it, so Yoda just... And it was Return of the Jedi, Yoda, not any of that prequel yes, bullshit. it was. Yeah, the Return <laughs> uh, Empire Strikes Back. And... It was real old, like when he died in Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. Frail, and feeble old Yoda. He um, creates lightning to come down and destroys the tree. Oh, shit, he's related to Palpatine too, honey. He is, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that was a great scene between the two of them. This was easily the most divisive film of the last three movies. It was. A lot of people, it's about 50-50 as far as I heard, are split on it. The old rogue hippo gave it some ludicrously low score on Outside is Overrated. He hated the film. He specifically took issue with the whole casino sequence and that plan to try to break the code and give the resistance a chance to escape. I don't know. I like the film. I liked it quite a bit, actually. I'm on the other side. I had a hard time with the film. I, I see your points. It's visually stunning. It's has a lot of complexity to it in ways. I like the growth of Rey. I like the way she confronts the dark side. I know you thought they could do more with that scene. I totally, yeah. I mean, I... And I agree. They could have done more with it, but I still thought it was cool. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know where they were going with the film, but to me, I thought it would be cool if she, if she fell through to the dark side of this island where everything is supposedly originated and she survives and confronts the dark side, then I feel like she's... They could have written where she could never be converted to the dark side because she's already been at the original point of the dark side and she would be just too strong at that point. To me, the character seemed a little bit different to me from the first film. There was a slight difference in their cadence and everything. Yeah, Ray was even more badass. Ray was really good. Ray was great. She. I will say nothing bad about Daisy Ridley this day. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's hard for me to explain. There was just a subtle difference in the way the characters were portrayed in this film. I really you weren't d- crazy about Luke. I didn't like how they portrayed Luke. I really. 
I think that is an area that could have been explored in a lot more depth. The relationship between Luke and Kylo and Luke realizing that Kylo had darkness in him. But it was boiled down to like a five-second explanation. I guess that's where I'm, you're probably summing it up better than I can. It's just there's a lot of uh, mystery behind everything with Luke. And Luke was always in the original series he, he had believed hope. in goodness. Yeah. He believed in goodness. He believed that everyone had a good side. Even though his father was in, you know... The he, ultimate evil force in the galaxy or the number two evil force yeah, in the galaxy. Yeah, he just had this belief that he knew he would meet his end if he went to try to convert his father, but he just... He was willing to sacrifice that for the hope that he could turn his father back to the good side. And so he, to me, to become this get off my lawn old man you know it's just like it's just the perfect <laughs> it's just it seemed like a 180 for his character but you say he's old he's been through a lot but still i just feel like it's just doesn't resonate with the true luke that was originally around you wouldn't expect luke skywalker <laughs> to be a quitter not necessarily and my other question is, like, Palpatine, how did they let Palpatine get to Anakin? Well, then, how did Snoke have any access to Ben? Difficult to see. The dark side is. I know, but Snoke never came in for uh, monthly visits while Ben was training. How did Snoke get, you know, because Palpatine had to be there physically with Anakin. So how did Snoke supposedly get Ben that's you know that's a great question and I think Snoke in general is one of your larger complaints with the this most recent tweak trilogy of movies when I first originally saw the movie yes um when they killed Snoke off like that it's like they're building Snoke up for this big bad character like Palpatine was and all of a sudden he just gets killed off right away it's like what we don't know this guy why are you killing him off he seemed cool what's going on you know find out from how it should have ended that he's darth plagueis which doesn't really mean anything to us because darth plagueis isn't in any of the movies but apparently darth plagueis is the one who trained palpatine in the ways of the dark side of the force is he really because i thought he was supposed to be just a clone i don't know if he really is but oh i mean i could very well be wrong but my understanding is that plagueis trained palpatine and then Palpatine, who was Darth Sidious, killed Plagueis. And then he was brought back by cloning, which I think was kind of alluded to in the final film. In the final film, you see all the clones of Snoke that he's been producing. And yeah, and that opens. Here we uh, go on the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but yeah, no, Snoke is one of my biggest complaints. It's like to just kill him off like that and then raise parents it's like you know it seemed like jj and this new director weren't quite on the same page with the story how not on the same page i don't think they're in the same galaxy honey I, I, yeah so that's my only complaint is like there's some misconnection disney didn't have the two sit in a room and talk it out figure out how this was supposed to be Quality control wasn't the best, you know. But Maybe there was supposed to be a number of movies bridging these gaps, but possibly Disney yeah. stepped away from Star Wars movies after Solo. Yeah, they did. So a lot of things, but I would have to agree with you. You know, visually, it's a very stunning film. A lot of character growth, though I really hated Poe in this movie. Uh, I can understand why you hated him, but he grew quite a bit. Like he took the first step towards true leadership 
True. I mean, I personally believe that leadership is more of a trait that you're born with, not necessarily something that can be developed or forged. But the movie made us, to me, a strong case in him being forged as a leader. It's it's his growth period, and I I get that, and it just the actor did a good job of me not liking him. So the humor was funny, but to me, it wasn't natural. It was kind yeah, of forced. There was a lot more uh, whew, Phantom Menace level kid-friendly humor in yeah, this film. Yeah, it just was more... F- I don't want to say forced, because it was natural in ways, but more it just... More in your face. More in your face. And... And more juvenile. Juvenile. And then the... Princess Leia could have totally called those bombers back instead of, you know... Because they would listen to her, not Poe. It's yeah. like at the beginning, but... Besides that, we should move on. So, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. The most recent and final film in the Skywalker saga, Episode 9. It came out just a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't seen it yet, we are going to spoil everything that I can remember, <laughs> literally, of this film. So uh, if you don't want spoilers, this is an excellent time to check out. Thank you for listening this far. I like the film very much. I remember the impressions that I have. Daisy Ridley is just smoldering in this movie. Like, she was great. Just, I couldn't get enough of her. Um, I guess that was about it for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ray was fantastic. So we started off with Kylo Ren. He's kicking some asses. He finds a trinket, right? He finds a doodad and he goes flying off with it. Yeah, and it brings him to Palpatine. Palpatine tells him to do this. You know, we need to do this. And, and, oh, Palpatine's got like a million ships he's just been building and hiding. I know. And then... He had all these Snoke clones and everything. I didn't understand all the clones in the jar. Like I didn't know if that was him. I didn't realize it was Snoke. Like I, I couldn't process that very well. Yeah, it was Snoke. Yeah. They did a flashback to Palpatine from Episode Six or so, saying the dark side is prone to all sorts of things people would consider unnatural. Yep. And then you see Ray training underneath Leia. Leia's become her master. It's a fun sequence between the two of them. And I think it's the first time in the movies that they allude to Leia's strength in the Force. Yeah, and that's the first time you find out in this movie that Luke had trained her completely to become a Jedi, but she stopped because she knew that she couldn't be a Jedi because of her son. Yeah, I think that is explored a lot more in other formerly canonical materials. Yeah. It was cool to see it acknowledge it in the movie. Yeah, so, I mean, it'll be fun to read some books to read a little bit more into it, but it explains how she can train Rey because she was trained by Luke, so she knew what to train her on. So Also, jumping back to episode eight for one quick little thing, the thing that I hate most in that entire movie, Leia's on the bridge of the ship. The bridge gets blown up. Everyone gets sucked out into space. Literally, everyone else dies. She's But she's floating out in space, and she just uses the force to suck herself back into the ship and up to the door and then she ends up in a coma like just drives me crazy doesn't make any sense it's something that yeah i don't know what the director is thinking or the writer it just it seemed odd so it would have made more sense if a piece of debris had struck her in the back and pinned her to the wall that's true that's a good point yeah yeah anyways back to the rise of skywalker leia's a badass too but she just doesn't use the force yeah, which is another thing that I don't quite understand is why she doesn't use the Force more if she was trained. You think she would. But anyways... um, I have no retort. Uh, you see Finn and Poe together and the Falcon doing reconnaissance, getting information. 
They have a very close call getting back to the resistance. Yep, and then uh, Rafe and Poe follow Lee to find the um, tracker that would bring them to the Sith hideout. And so they go on a venture. Ray wants to go on her own, but Finn absolutely will not have it. Yep, so they all go together and Chewie. And so they go on this adventure. and, And then they run across Kylo Ren and... Kylo and you have a sequence between Kylo and Rey where they are struggling over a transport. She believes Chewie is in that transport so she's trying to use the force to bring it back and Rey and Kylo is trying to If you don't believe us on spoilers it's coming up. It is right here. It's right on the tip of our tongue. (laughs) And Kylo is trying to win the battle of the force and let the transport go. And he wasn't necessarily trying to win. He was trying to force Ray to reach the true extent of her power. True. And she starts shooting lightning out of her damn hand. She did. And which has only been seen by one other character in the Star Wars movies. The Pal- Emperor. Palpatine. And so she's freaked out. She thought she killed Chewie. And you find out he, she didn't. Oh, there were two transports. She <laughs> blew up the other one. Yeah. Lucky, lucky. They found a dagger. They, it's written with Sith writing. Uh, C3PO can translate it, but, but he's he, forbidden to. And so they go to a different planet to find someone that can rewire his um, system to override it so you will um, translate it, which he does. But you then, pose ex girlfriend. Yep. And, I can't remember the actress, but she wore a skin tight suit. Yep. And then. And a Power Rangers helmet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> And then uh, they get the information from C-3PO, but when that happened, it uh, rewrote his um, programming, so he doesn't remember them. Which would have made more sense at some point in an earlier movie. Yeah. Also, if everyone's brains were rewired so they didn't recognize him since he's been in every movie. That's true. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened to Obi-Wan earlier, honey. <laughs> Sad people just crossed the wire and yes, wires in his Yes, they brain. did. Maybe he smoked a lot of pot watching over Luke. Burn some brain cells. You know, it happens. It happens. Yeah. I guess that's true. Uh, then they the go to the... the forest, man. <laughs> they go to the planet where the Return of the Jedi, the uh, Death Star, had crashed. And so she's supposed to go onto the wreckage and find the trinket to get to the Sith. And Kylo follows her there. They have a big battle in the ocean on One the wreckage. Of the most visually striking moments, probably in the entire franchise. It, yeah, it's beautifully done. It's, I mean, JJ really can put a film together. He can take it and make it very enjoyable. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great scene on the water. Them fighting. She stabs him, and she uses her force healing to from her. And Which gives, she read in the book that she stole from the tree in the previous movie. That's true. And she um, heals his wound and then takes off in his ship and follows it to the Sith hideout. And then you see her walking through, getting to the point of meeting Palpatine. And... But she also tracks how she goes through the system to the hideout so that the resistance can follow her. 
Lando takes off in the Falcon with Chewie to... Oh, Lando's back. Yes, to call on other planets to help with the fight. The Resistance take off to fight all the... Um, the million ships, ships Palpatine's been building. With massive cannons on them. That oh, can... planet-killing cannons. I know. Jesus Christ, everything can blow up a planet. <laughs> I know. And then um, she's trying to confront Palpatine. She finds out she's Palpatine's... Granddaughter. Granddaughter, which I think she found out a little bit earlier. Yeah, and she found out from Kylo. And then... He's like, hey, you're the Emperor's granddaughter. Sup? What's up? Sup? What's under your lights? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have the confrontation between her. Uh, Kylo Ren has a conversation with his father, um... And decides to become Ben again. He flies to help Ray. Han is back as a ghost. Yep. Someone that's not a Jedi comes back as a Force ghost or a hallucination or some movie BS. Yep. And so they together join Force to fight Palpatine. Palpatine uses the power of their dyad to basically become whole again. And they're knocked out. Ben comes to and tries to fight him, but he gets knocked off the cliff. And then Ray finally wakes up, and then her and Palpatine have the final showdown, and he has all the Sith behind him and their power. And all of a sudden you hear all the Jedi, past Jedi, talking to her, giving her the strength to fight Palpatine. Which is a cool moment. It is a very cool moment. While Poe and Finn and everyone else is fighting all the... Um, the Resistance is getting their ass kicked because they have no friends and yep. they're just getting destroyed. And they're just getting destroyed when all of a sudden millions, or I shouldn't say millions, thousands of ships show up from all like these Like Dunkirk. Plugs. Yeah. <laughs> all these ferries and farmer vessels and <laughs> BS little ships show to take up. out an army of Star Destroyers. So they're all fighting together and... Um, and then they win. And they have a huge-ass long hug scene that takes up half the movie. We have to watch You're talking it. back at the Rebel base where all the people are pairing up? Yep, after they Two win. Two girls kiss, honey. Uh, yeah, the that was great. The Rebels are very progressive. They could show that and a couple hugging, and that would be fine. <laughs> but they had to take up half the damn movie of all the hugging. Yeah. Oh, Finn gets a new girlfriend along the way. Rose professed her love for him in episode eight, but he kind of moved true. on. That's true. He did kind of move on. Yeah. She was kind of in the background. Which is all right. I didn't really care for Rose as a central character. Yeah, me too. And, um, yeah, so they win. Kylo, oh, sorry, Kylo dies because um, Rey gets, during the confrontation with Palpatine, she pretty much dies in her confrontation. And then Ben ca- crawls back to her and gives him gives her his complete life force, which she wakes up. Sees him, they kiss, share a moment. He falls down dead. What do you think of that moment, honey? I'm still trying to process it, but it felt pretty natural. I mean, Finn's gonna be pissed. I know. I don't know if I'm in a Finn Ray boat or not. I'm kind of trying yeah. to figure that out. And so he dies, but. The resistance when she goes and buries um, the lightsabers, um, Luke's and Leia's lightsaber, back in te- uh, 
Tat- Tatooine. Tatooine at Luke's farm. And why do they call it the Rise of Skywalker, honey? Because the old lady asked her what her name is, and she said Ray. And then she decides to call herself Skywalker because she. So she just takes the moniker. Yep, and so she, she is now Ray Skywalker, and that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the franchise. <clears throat> Basically, yeah. I thought it was going to take a much darker turn. The Emperor was using her and her healing to regenerate himself. I thought she was going to have to kill herself. I honestly thought that that was going to be the end of the movie, was that she's going to kill herself, and somehow Kylo would do something and take the Skywalker name as opposed to... Uh, Ray. Ben. Yeah, it would have been interesting if they did it that way, because, you know, him doing a complete reversal of his character, you know, it would have been fascinating for that to actually happen. He always struggled with balance. He was, a, I mean, he always skewed towards the dark side, but there was always good in him, and he, he was consistent in that way throughout all three of his movies. Like, he never... He was always all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting to see the younger version of him going through the whole process because in ways you see the actor playing Adam Driver, playing Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. You could tell the difference between him and Hayden Christensen. You could see the conflict more in... Adam Driver is a much better actor than Hayden Christensen. Yeah, because you can... He's, Our cat, who has interrupted the show twice, is a much better actor than Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Padme would be like, I can't believe you killed all those people. And he'd be like, Row. <laughs> Row. <laughs> But going back to... <laughs> going back to the movie, um, I think I missed some plot points. I know Finn wanted to tell Ray something. A lot of people thought... I can't believe they left us hanging on that, by the way. Like, they didn't really explain it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people thought he was going to tell her that he loved her, but I think JJ came out during a um, Q&A and said, no, he was going to tell her that he was Force-sensitive. So It's an awfully awkward time to tell her that he's Force-sensitive when she's in the middle of a battle with her arch-nemesis <laughs> on a fucking half-submerged Star Destroyer. Yeah, it, but overall, impressions of the film... The film itself is quite enjoyable for me. I, I really enjoyed it. I like everything as a whole, as a film in itself. Part of the whole saga, there's a lot of questions and holes that just don't make sense that need to be answered. Bring back Palpatine. Ugh. Yeah. That doesn't feel like part of George Lucas's original plan for the Grand Skywalker saga. There's a whole lot of questions that, you know, and holes and different things, but I don't know if we want to grade the movie as itself. Yeah, start there. What do you think of the movie as a secular thing? I really enjoyed it. I think it was great. I would give it a nine. I enjoyed the action. I enjoyed the characters. I loved the relationship between the three of them. I think I gave Infinity War a nine, and you're like, yeah, I would have given it like a seven. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, go on. I, you know, I, yeah, I truly thought it was really good. I, the humor was good. The action was good. The characters were great. I love the relationship between the three of them. I love the scene when they come back and she's like, what'd you do with the Falcon? It's like, what did you do to BB-8? The whole sequence was fantastic between them. The fight scenes were great, you know, and Again, like you said, Daisy is fantastic as an actress. Her whole conflict and trying to figure things out, 
figuring out who she is, coming to terms with who she is, you know. Perhaps it's the wrong mindset for a guy with his own video game blog and podcast. I went into this movie like a child. Like I was just <laughs> excited. You were, I yeah. I wanted my popcorn. I wanted to see what happened next. And I just went in with a heart full of joy and wonder. And I loved this movie. Yeah. I loved it too. And I would have to say it's probably going to be one of my favorites. We'll see once we rewatch it, once it comes out on DVD, what we think. But coming from the theater, I really loved it. Let's try to rank the movies one through nine from worst to best. I think we can start with the prequel trilogy at the bottom of that, right? Yeah. Episode one is the worst, two, the next worst, three, slightly better. Yep. So what do we slide into that number four slot then? Better than the prequel trilogies, Mm -hmm. but the worst out of the last six. I have a feeling I know where you're going here. (laughs) So why don't you go ahead? Um... I am going to have to probably say either Last Jedi or Return of the Jedi. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would lean towards A New Hope, but I can see your points with The Last Jedi, and I'm willing to slide that in at four. So number five, right at the fulcrum of the entire series, you would say Return of the Jedi. I would argue for A New Hope. Uh, Bear in mind that in the second episode of the show, I argued for Return of the Jedi as the best nerd movie of all time. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) And keep in mind, I liked A New Hope very much. It just, to me, that is kind of the low point of the last six. It was very good, and I think all the others exceeded it. How strongly do you feel that Last Jedi We'll do A New Hope next. All right. (laughs) <laughs> so now we have four movies left. No, we have five movies left. We have Empire. Oh, we already did The Last Jedi. Yeah. So we have Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, Force Awakens, and Rise of Skywalker. What is the next worst film out of those four? Uh, it's going to be tough. I'm willing to put Return of the Jedi at that spot. Yeah, I would have to say. So we'll put that at number six. So now we have three movies left. Empire Strikes Back, Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker. Well, see, the problem is is The Rise of Skywalker in itself is a great film, and I would put that close to the top as a great film. But it doesn't make any damn sense at points. Yeah, this. so a part of me is like, well, that would drop it down to a lower number. So, it's so we hard. stick Rise of Skywalker at seven. Probably that so. That leaves Empire and Force Awakens. Loves, Nerd love rage scene. going right here, love. Love scene versus... Um, I know what I would think, but what would you do? I would put Force Awakens at eight and rank Empire Strikes Back as the best of the Star Wars movies. I was going to say the same thing. Well, there you go. There's the definitive <laughs> take ranking the movies <laughs> one through nine from worst to best. Before we close the show, let's take just a couple of moments to reflect on the entire Skywalker journey. We meet Anakin as a young kid. Yep. He was conceived without a father, so he is the first Skywalker of the Skywalker line. I guess he had a mother. She had parents, so maybe that's not true. I mean, there could be other ancestors. You, you There would have to be because she would have a mother, father. Could be a brother or sister she had, so... Technically, sure. there should be. You know. Yeah, I mean, I guess he had a cousin with Luke's Uncle Owen. 
brother, half brother. The half brother. They wouldn't be Skywalker. So yeah. So messy. Yeah. I wish they. I wish that his birth had made any damn sense. Like they really kind of ditched the prophecy after they did really the first movie. Yeah. So we meet Annie as a young kid. We see him as an angsty teenager. We see him turn to the dark side. We see him as the one of the the supreme enforcer of the galaxy. We see him kind of still the supreme enforcer of the galaxy. Then we see him return to the light side. We see his kid uh, rise as a paragon of the force and try to start a new Jedi order. That goes awry and he kind of gives up on life. Leia becomes a general in the resistance. She is a respected politician. She dies. Like the whole bloodline dies when Kylo Ren dies out. Yep, it does. Are we satisfied with the arc of the Skywalker lineage? I think I am in ways... I mean, ultimately, this feels like Anakin's tale. Like, it lives on after him through his children. Yes, it does. Yeah, I think it's done. There's closure. You know, part of me was hoping on Force Awakens came out that it turns out that Skywalker family was not the prophesized family. We that talked was... about that a lot. What did you hope that it would be? I I thought it would be kind of interesting if it was Obi-Wan Kenobi's family was the true you know, somehow he had either niece or something out there that was the... His own illegitimate children. Or that, too. But, you know, that really it was his family, you know, that would have been the prophesized. But, you know... But, you know, it started with the Skywalker family. It ended with the Skywalker family, you know. And supposedly, that's it. The Sith have been destroyed. There's... You know, the Jedis are gone, too. Who knows what Rey's going to do? I don't know if she's going to even practice, you know, or train people. I mean, I think pretty much it's done. I don't know. Well, didn't they allude to in The Rise of Skywalker a bunch of people being attuned to the Force? There's Finn shows an affinity for it, and there's a whole battalion of stormtroopers that lay down their arms. There's a lot of people that are attuned to it. It's like... Is she going to train them or are people just going to be tuned to it and just try to figure it out on their own is a big question. Then they become wizards and it becomes a fantasy setting. Yes, that's true. Very true. So, you know, I'm satisfied with Skywalker storyline as a whole. I'm conflicted with it. The weak, the weak Anakin sequences still just disappoint Oh, yeah, I know. Because Darth Vader was so cool and so powerful, and there was such potential in telling his early tale. I know. I feel like there were some good elements to those early movies, but I feel like they failed their core intent, which was to deliver the story of Anakin Skywalker. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It's just... Yeah, I totally agree with you. The whole beginning part mythos was just horribly done. Also, Luke and Ben are constantly evaluating their connection to Darth Vader, their connection to the dark side, how they fit into their place in the galaxy. Leia doesn't seem to have that struggle at all. Like She seems to write off her lineage, and I guess that's one of the themes they touch on in the book you were talking about earlier, Bloodlines, was that she was offered a chance to become the like supreme leader or the senate leader or senate majority leader or whatever the fuck rules the imperial senate and she didn't want to because she knew her bloodlines i think leia that's one thing i guess i have a hard time with the newer films is because it's like she's still sort of the side character i mean she's become more of a side 
even though she's a general, she just still seemed to be more in the background instead of the strong personality she was in the originals, you know, and, you know, she had so much force about her and it's like they didn't even want to touch on it with her. And it's kind of sad because yeah, they could have used... Yeah, she's very caring grandmotherly the last couple of movies. Yeah, I mean, and I understand... sad that she passed and they had to use CGI for the last film. Yeah, I just... They could have done a lot with her, I think, you know. I just think they could have, but... I think it's fair to say that Star Wars has played a huge role in our development. Yes. It's a huge part of popular culture. Darth Vader helped bring it to the forefront and help popularize it. Um, I will always be appreciative of Star Wars and the overall Anakin arc. I guess there are parts that I wish were better, but you really have to tip your cap at everything that George Lucas was able to set in motion. Even if he wasn't able to complete it, deliver on all the promise of the series, like... I mean, he's the one who brought this idea into our lives. He was, and he created it, and he based it off uh, Joseph Campbell's work. Um, and he got this idea and created it. And, yeah, we should tip it, our hats to him because he's created this world that is going to live on forever. You know, And make billions of more dollars for disney yes so star wars pretty cool if you haven't seen it you should check them out all of them <laughs> all of them <laughs> next month i'm going to be back with joy we're going to recap the final fantasy challenge from 2019 we're going to talk about 12 games and we're going to try to do it in less than 12 hours wish us well phoenix my love thank you so much for joining us today do you have any closing thoughts or anything you want to share about star wars before we sign off I would have to say recently there's an article that was just published by Squire. Um, I think I'm saying the, their name right. That a s original script for Rise of the Skywalker was released by somehow and by the directors who were supposed to direct it before J.J. And I would have to say if you get a chance to read the article, it's fascinating and it would make The Last Jedi make more sense if they went that way instead of the way they did go so it's a it's an interesting read so i would say take a read so also i forgot to mention in our rise of skywalker conversation that i totally pegged that ray was a palpatine yeah you did you turned to me he's like oh she's palpatine it's like how did you know i figured out like two days before because they were trying so hard to like hide any possible connection from them that suddenly i saw the pattern there very yeah. Thrawn-like of me. I guess that's one thing that we forgot to bring up in the show is um, you have mentioned that you would have preferred if she was a nobody instead of being a somebody. And yeah, of course. Everybody has to be related to somebody in Star Wars. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, it would have been nice for her to be a nobody like they were alluding to in The Last Jedi. and But they turned around and made her a somebody by being Palpatine's uh, granddaughter. And is polar opposite. Yeah. Which makes it intriguing for him to have a granddaughter who's just so good that, you know. It would have been more intriguing if they had introduced another member of his family or a girlfriend or a it's true. pretty maid or, you know, anything yeah. that would have tied them together. I know. I, I there, Like I said, there's a lot of holes. That's why I would grade it at a nine by itself but when you have to grade it with the rest of the trilogy it drops down to a six you know 
I, that's too low, but you know, it's, yeah. it drops because there's just too many unanswered questions, too many holes. And it's like, well, if she's Palpatine's granddaughter, he wouldn't know, you know, it's just like, why didn't he get his hands on her earlier, you know, instead of taking like Snoke did with Ben or yeah, it's like, why? Oh, I have a granddaughter. Why am I spending my, wasting my time with Anakin? I can raise have yeah. you know. You know, so, but, you know, I agree. It would have been a lot better and more interesting if she was a nobody. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode, Phoenix. And thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please tell a friend. Well, if you enjoyed it, please tell me. You're most likely connected to me in some way, shape, or form. I appreciate kudos and knowing that people listen to us. You can review us on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple, on the Google Play Store, Spotify, pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. You can follow us on social, Tom Sidlogic, OIO, on Twitter and Instagram. Sidlogic is spelled S E D L A C as in cat E K. Tom Sidlogic, OIO, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash outside is overrated or. I don't have to say Instagram anymore because it's the same as Twitter now. Yeah. That's true. Thank you again to our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. We'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids. do an audio test with the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> I'm totally not just going to clip it and put it at the end of the podcast. You either. are good. No, it's, no, it's fine. Belt it out, honey. <laughs> no, I'm not very good. You're better at it. Now you don't have to say what you didn't. I already know. <laughs> I found out from him. Good. That was really yeah, that good. was JT, honey. I know it was. Yeah, if, if I have to do the song, we're going to do it my way. Oh, come on. VSB is... The best, the bomb, the everything. I'd make some reference to the song The Call because that was my favorite Backstreet Boys song, but I don't know it that well. No, you don't. <laughs> I was going to say, should I bring up the point that I didn't want to spend $15 watching Dominic Monaghan hug a CGI character in that hug scene at the end of the movie? Who's Dominic Monaghan? He was in Lord of the Rings. Lots of people were in Lord of the Rings. Is <laughs> he Bones? No, he played the Hobbit. He was um, Pippin. No, not Pippin. Um, Mariah Doc? Mary? Mary, yes. He was Mary. But Foolish son of a Tuck. He was a foolish son of a Tuck. Yeah. Who was he in Star Wars? He was one of the fighters who kept popping up in scenes around the cavern. Big fat dude? No, not the big fat dude, but it's like all of a sudden we- The woman? <laughs> No. Is it distracting that I'm eating chocolate while we have this conversation? Not really. You have a little bit. No, I'm just teasing. You'll have a little bit earlier. <laughs> I hope so. But he's the, he was the, he is not in any other movies, but all of a sudden he's in this newest movie, popping up everywhere hmm. in the rebellion, talking to Rose, talking to Leia, talking to this, talking to that. Didn't recognize him at all. No, it's hard to recognize him. He looks older, but um, and probably taller. But it's just the hug scene went too long, and it showed him hugging a big 
CGI character. And I'm like, oh, you could totally cut that out. (laughs) But honey, they're in love. You like that. They weren't in love. They're in love. You don't think Leia had a little thing on the side with a fucking hobbit? (laughs) So. Oh, God. Our cat literally leapt between my legs and attacked my stomach in the middle of that sentence. Yes, I saw. <laughs> well, I've had just enough whiskey that I'm slightly <laughs> off kilter, and a surprise attack from my bastard cat will make me almost jump out of my damn chair. Oh, it's called The Impossible with Ian McGregor in the Middle East, but I've seen him in the island. It was a B-grade film. Um but the one that I was going to say, Down With Love. You've seen that one? I've seen that one. Which one's Down With Love? Renee Zellweger. It's sort of that stylish 60s style where she's the author. In, um, oh, yeah. It's yeah. that romantic film where he pretends. I thought the guy was the author. He was a magazine um, editor or article, but he was a playboy. And she wrote a book called Down With Love, and he was supposed to... That's it, right. I barely remember it. Yeah. It was a really good one. But, um, I should watch that again. I watch romantic movies with my wife. Men Who Stare at Goats. Oh, yeah. All right. I like that movie. I forgot he was in it. Clooney. A Million Days Ways to Die in the West, and I think Liam Nielsen's in that one as well. Yeah. Liam Nielsen was the bad guy. I forgot Ewan yeah. McGregor was in that. All right. Ewan McGregor's all right beyond Obi-Wan. He's done a lot of good stuff, but he's... Yeah, people say Moulin Rouge, but I never really fell in love with Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I'm really excited to see him in Birds of Prey to just see... Because he's supposed to be the bad guy. It'll be interesting to see him in that role, but... Um, you know who plays a good bad guy? David Tennant. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He should have been the bad guy in Star Trek. Instead of stupid Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. You know what the fans call themselves? No, it's called salmon fishing in Yemen. They call themselves Cumberbitches. <laughs> That's fitting. It's just like, uh, 